1: Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show... We continue our college contender series, breaking down our top 10 men's and women's college tennis teams heading into the 2022 dual match season. On this edition of the podcast, I'm joined by the head coach of our number nine men's team heading into the year. Head coach of the University of Arizona men's tennis team, Clancy Shields, joins me to reflect on what was a historic 2021 campaign for his Wildcats. Of course, they reached the first Sweet 16 in program history, got the first victory Victories over USC, UCLA in quite a bit of time. I wanted to ask Coach Shields about his reflections from 2021, what he and his team did this offseason to help them take that next level here in 2022. Of course, we also discussed the strengths and weaknesses of his team's roster entering the new year. I wanted to ask him about his freshman Colton Smith as well. And then I had to pick his brain about some of the big picture topics confronting college tennis right now. What's the purpose of the fall season. How can we make the sport continue to be as entertaining as possible for the fans? It is a fantastic conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, I will briefly point out, if you want to hear our extended thoughts on Arizona men's tennis, hop on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. Chris, Matt, and I break down the Wildcats. Of course, Matt wrote about them for our website CrackedRackets.com. Three to five minute YouTube video recapping it all available on our Cracked Rackets channel. Again, you don't want to miss out on any of the content previewing these teams. By the way, this is the same treatment every team is going to get. You can find all that content throughout the next couple of months on our website, crackrackets.com. But without further ado, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Arizona men's tennis head coach, Clancy Shields.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
1: Joining us on the podcast once again today, a returning champion now here on our Crack Racket shows. Of course, you may know him as the 2009 WAC Conference Player of the Year, a first team academic All-American selection in 2007. Of course, now we all know him as the head coach of the Arizona men's tennis team. Welcome back to the show, Clancy Shields. Coach, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it is always a pleasure. I don't get to speak with academic All Americans that frequently, Coach. That's a pretty impressive accomplishment.
0: Yeah, it's nice when you didn't make uh, uh, All American as a player, but you can kind of say you were an All American at something, and and especially when you missed it by only a few spots. So <laughs> at least I can say I was an All American in something.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I I don't think we've expressed or uh, explored this before, but you played at Boise State, I believe, and that's under Coach Patton, correct? Correct. So tell me about because I know the Greg Patton tree is strong in college tennis and everyone rave reviews about the coaching experience. Would you argue the experience you had there led to you to this lifetime of college tennis?
0: Absolutely. I mean when you watched Coach Patton every day, you were like, dude, this seems like a pretty fun profession. I think I want to get <laughs> into this. And and I think that's been for a lot of the you know, people who've worked for him and played for him, they've gotten into the profession because they saw the life he was living and how much joy he has doing the job. And, and then also just seeing, you know, the impact that you're having on people's lives. I mean, that's genuinely, I hope why we all got into this industry is that we want to help people and, and put others first. And, and then in the, the same sense, it's always nice to, you know, live that heightened state of living and, and compete and, and to kind of chase after goals. So certainly I feel I feel like I was one of the lucky ones to play for Coach Patton, and I'm sure, you know, the hundreds of other people that that played for him feel the same way.
1: If you could replay one of these batches, would you replay your Boise State NCAA Sweet 16 or last year's Sweet 16 against Tennessee?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we we lost 4-0 when I was a player, pretty pretty quick to Ohio State. Yeah. So I would take last year's. We were in it. You know, we had we had opportunities and the guys were competing and and just the team that we had and how we did it and how we got there was extremely special. And and the kids that we you know, the kids that did it, I mean, they were incredible, incredible people. And, and you know, it's a every year's a, a new story. But that that story we wrote last year was was something that I think none of us will ever forget. And, and it's something that we talked about doing something special as a group is is what's going to bond us together for the rest of our life. And I a hundred percent believe that this, that group will be, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now is going to be as connected as they were last year.
1: Did you play Cronagy or did you play Monarchy? Who was one at that time? I played, uh, I played Monarchy.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, he, he he took it to me a little bit.
1: <laughs> he's a pretty good player. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. I'm, that Ohio State team, I want to say, made the final, something like that. Something they made the
0: final and lost to. That was Steve Johnson's first year, start of their dynasty there, and and um, yeah, they were they. I think they were favored to win it. That was a that was a pretty Chase Buchanan was playing, I think, sixth then. I think pretty good little team.
1: Yeah, no, I think Matt Alaire like breaks his leg or something midway through that, and so he's playing through. Anyways, we can get into two thousand nine NCA turn. That's like my peak of fan interest that's when I really started to get into it so that's why you know if we can nerd out perhaps a little bit later but you talk about the NCAA round of 16 appearance your team made last year first in program history when did you realize you had a special group was there a moment throughout the course of the season obviously you get you know first wins over USC UCLA in quite a bit of time last year those wins I'm sure help along the way but was there a moment when you realized oh man we we've got a special group on our hands
0: Yeah, I'd really, really rewind back to COVID when we lost our season in 2019. And I knew we had a special group then when, you know, I told the team the season was canceled and they're all in tears and they're all just, hey, can we get Alejandro, our senior, another year? And that's all they talked about. And as we were driving home from California, it was like our phones were blowing up, like reading the NCAA, hey, we might get another year, and how happy the guys were when – the you know all the all the kids were awarded another season I knew our team was special then because they wanted to come back and do something as a group together and they were really playing for something bigger than themselves which was playing for you know what we talk about in our program all the time is we always play for our seniors and some years that means a lot and some years it doesn't mean it so much and and last year it was like these guys would have given <laughs> their left arm to, to, to play one more year with Alejandro. And it, it kind of set the tone of what it should be, um, what a leader should be and what it, what a captain should be. And, and what, a, what, what playing for someone bigger than yourself should be. And, and it was really kind of a blueprint for why I think, you know, everything that's good in college athletics is, is what our team represented last year. And, and so that's when I knew our team could be special I didn't know how far, you know, results wise we would go, but it's certainly as you started having some wins over some good teams and you started believing a little more and then you're, you're kind of consistently in the top 25 and the belief starts to grow. And, you know, as we talk about all the time, but the number one most important thing in tennis is your inner belief system. And it's, you know, the confidence, you know, was growing throughout the course of the year. And, and, and then at the end of the year, I just felt like our team did not want it to end and we just, dug in and fought as hard as we could and we just we're not going to let it not going to let the season end um, in Kentucky last year and I think our guys really fared down and, and they they gave it their all and became a pretty special special thing but I just think it was like that's why I like watching March Madness I mean the, the <laughs> intensity that those kids play with they just they're diving for balls they're playing the toughest defense you've ever seen and that's really what it was is win or go home and we didn't want it to end and so that, that's what made last year really special.
1: Jet got mad at me in our preview for 2022. I made an offhand joke. I said, you know, you didn't play a match against Arizona unless you got in a kerfuffle with them. And what that was meant to, you know, convey is that your team had an edge. You talk about that intensity that you play with. You can feel an Arizona match mentally, physically that next day because of the energy your guys bring where does that come from? Is that team driven part of it? I do feel like if you don't mind me saying is a reflection of your personality as well, but that is that something you instill in your guys? Is that edge something you guys pride yourselves on?
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, if you're going to come play college tennis, this is what it should be. You know, it's not, it's not like a Wimbledon. It's not like golf clapping. It's, it's an, it's one of the coolest things in all of sports is to play on a coll- collegiate team and, and to have that, that edge. And, and, Um, you know, I think, I think one of our players said it best. It's like, he always would say feisty, but respectful. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, I think some teams and coaches get annoyed by it, but it's like, I, I respect teams that really bring the, you know, come out and fight and, and they're, they're feisty. And, you know, playing Michigan last year was like one of the coolest sporting moments of my life because they beat us off the court. They were loud. They were energetic. They were cheering and their guys were feisty and it was just a cool, Event to be a part of, and and um, that's what it should be. And maybe maybe not a lot of people agree with me, but I just think this is what we all signed up for: is is a collegiate sport where there's energy, there's passion. The kids are playing for something bigger than themselves, each other, um, the the university, the the city of Tucson. Um, they're representing so many things, and I think that's the special part of it. And I think um, that's part of our program and and our guys. And I think the thing that I think is really cool is that players, it is something that's really natural. It is something that we want them to be themselves and, and let their personality come out, but also understand that, hey, the, sometimes it really comes down to who's the more competitive player. And I think that's something they learned in our program, but also they learned to develop that skill of, hey, I want out, to out-compete my opponent and, and I'm going to hustle for every ball and I'm going to be, you know, bring really good energy and, and I'm su- going to support my teammates. And, and when you do that, Sure, the the losses really hurt like heck, and and the wins feel amazing. And and I think those are really two things that we live for in this industry is like is to be in the locker room after those things, and and to learn from defeat, and and to celebrate your victories. I think I think that's something we do really well.
1: well you're talking to one of the people who delight in that energy. I agree with you. That is what makes college uh, tennis so special. And you know, again, talking about a special performance for your team, even in a loss. Four two against Florida last year during the kickoff weekend, and that was one that caught certainly us by uh, off guard. Florida, eventual national champions. You guys were you know un, you know outside the top twenty five coming into that match. I know it was a loss, but did that early season result? Obviously, I think you guys ripped off something like ten, eleven straight wins after that. What did that loss do early in the season, particularly for a team that, you mentioned it earlier, you guys didn't have a full fall. You didn't have the opportunities to go compete like the SEC did, and you didn't have the opportunities to get your hands on the guys the way you normally can in the fall. What does a loss like that do for your team early in the season?
0: Well, I think, <laughs> I think, and I've, uh, I get in trouble for this from time to time, but I always expect to win. And so <laughs> sure. I think when they lose, it's like, you know, well, we should expect to win and it doesn't matter who's across the net from us. And mm-hmm. if you go into any competition with the, the expectation that you're going to win, then you have a chance to win. But if you're you're playing the jersey and the, you know, the national championships and the, and, and the names and the UTRs and all of this stuff that's so irrelevant to actually what is important, then you'll have a chance to win. And I, I think when we came off the court, our team was like we were disappointed that we didn't we weren't able to, to see it through. And, and to to get a win that i think our guys had worked hard for and, and whether it's you know the eventual national championship, we're always going to expect to win that's always our mission when we stand on the court and and i think you know th- the cool thing was is as the season went on i wasn't the only one expecting to win i think the whole locker room expected to win and um that was a cool thing in the progression of our program i've been here now this is my six years you know, when we first got here we you know, we lost, I think, 18 or 19 straight matches in the Pac-12. And, and you know, we hadn't made the NCAA tournament in nine or ten years. And, and so that belief has to come from somewhere. And um, I think then it just started kind of growing in everyone's minds and in their hearts and minds. And, and then once they start getting some wins, well, their inner belief system grows and their confidence grows. And, and then anything's really possible
1: when did you see that belief start to grow for Gustav? Was it the moment he walked on campus? And by the way, when you're on the recruiting circuit, do you just see the name Gustav and you're like, yep, that's on my list. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, he's a, you never know what you're going to get with a kid in January. I came in January and I literally didn't know what to do for like two months. Um, you, You know, the energy, everything is different. And you've seen this with multiple really, really good players who come in mid year and they really struggle. And, to see like two of our freshmen come in in january and have the years they did and and to really help even herman at the end of the year he had multiple stress fractures and he was able to come back in april and really help propel our team in the last you know bit of our season but yeah i think the thing that we learn about our players is that especially gustav is that there's just not a better competitor out there and he's just gonna fight and and I think I think for him, he's had the, the the playing background of success, and and really when he got here, he was so oblivious to what everything was that he just went out and played the ball, and and then we would tell him, oh, that was a good ranked win you had. And He's like, oh, okay, nice, <laughs> you know. So it was almost the obliviousness that was, you know, was something that was a really good thing for him, and and I, I just know whoever has to play him is going to have to pack a lunch, and they're going <laughs> to have to put their best foot forward, and he's just uh, he's a tough out. And it doesn't matter if you're one of, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. He's, he's going to be somebody that is going to be tough to beat. And I think that was something where, you know, we we talk a lot about taking pages out of each other's books. Well, I think our whole team looked at how he competed as a freshman. And they were like, man, I want to compete as hard as that guy. And if I can do that, how good could I be? And, and I think that is a, a really humbling thing for everybody. When you're looking at a, you know, a true freshman coming in January and he's, in many ways, leading by example, and so that was that was just incredibly cool for our team. And and you know I, he's he's a special kid and a special player. And and I'm I'm excited to see what he he can do in the future.
1: I wish there was a better term for this, but how sexy is that backhand? Like oh my gosh, I, there are just times when he hits it on the slide where you're just like that is that's the one. <laughs> you're just like you can't. Yeah. And most people can't do that. And yeah, to your point again, you you could tell instantly. I'm curious. Is there ever a moment, are you hesitant at all to play, uh, particularly with a team that has guys like, you know, Jonas Sieverts, who's entering year three, and Alejandro, and, you know, uh, Carlos Hasse, obviously, as well, and, you know, Lagayev and Basic. are you at all hesitant to play a freshman at number one? Is that a concern ever? No, uh, <laughs> I, I mean,
0: I, we, I mean, he showed up in January, and mm-hmm. so season was a few weeks away you just don't know how good the kid is until you watch him and then Mm -hmm. and then you're like oh my gosh this kid's really good and and, but we just didn't really know and then as the course of the year went on he just got better and better and to your point about his backhand as stupid as i am i was actually like oh we need to like change his grip on it and like make it more shape and do some things and i was like how stupid am i like this kid has a world class backhand why would i be touching it and so i actually had to grow up and kind of learn a little bit as a coach to not Mm -hmm mess around with guys who who have you know things already so good I mean it, it's something you can't teach and it's a it's a wonder how he how he hits it so well but I you know the lineups it's like is even as you look at all the parody in college tennis I don't feel you know I feel bad for a lot of these coaches that are going to have to make a lineup come January because everybody has so many good players mm-hmm. and you have to pick six of them to play and it's the same thing on our team this year it's like we've got 11 really good players who all can beat each other on any given day in practice. And, and that's when, you know, you have a sign of a good team is that when you're, you know, supposed the bottom guy can beat your top guy on any given day. And, and then it makes our job as coaches really hard to decide how are we going to, you know, how we're going to do it. And I think that's, that's a, a really good sign for our team moving forward is that we have a, a really deep team.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, to explore that depth now, Again, last season, I think you guys were a team. If you win the doubles points, good luck finding four singles victories against you guys because it was depth everywhere. And whether it was, you know, Philip or, you know, Carlos or, you know, Alejandro, any of the guys at the bottom of the lineup, obviously, they all uh, achieved a bunch of success. I am curious for Jonas, who I know— Took some beat, you know. Took some lumps at the start of the season at that number two spot, and yet, you know, again, I'm curious what you thought of his performance last season. Particularly, someone had to play that two spot because anyone in your lineup was going to win, you know, four, five, six, have success. But I'm curious what you thought of his performance and what it meant to the rest of the team.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Jonas is one of the better players in college tennis. He's shown that over the course of his time here. That. The, the key with the kid is he gets better the more matches he plays probably. I mean, everyone does, but he in particular, I mean, at the end of the year, he, he beat Johannes Monday, mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament. He beat Diallo from Kentucky to clinch the match. Um, he just gets better as the year goes on. And, 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 he's just one of these kids that's, you know, once he gets matched tough, he's really tough to beat. And he has a lot of different tools um, and he's getting better. I mean, he had, you know, and he, in his own words, like a, a very poor fall. And, and, um, but we all know that like, once he gets matched tough, how good he can be and what, it, what he can put on the court. And, and, um, I mean, he's, he's one of the guys that, yeah, I mean, you look up and down the line, I mean, he's up a set and a break on, on Duarte volley last year. When we played Florida, I mean, he's, he's going to be in every match and if he's playing really well, um, and playing the way he should be playing, I mean, he can, he can wipe the court with some guys. And, and so he has that respect, especially amongst our team. And I think, you know anybody that plays him it's just a different ball you're gonna see and and it's a different look and and then when it comes at you it doesn't look maybe like overwhelming but he certainly hits a different ball when i play with him i'm like oh my gosh this is different <laughs> and and i certainly think he's he is gonna have a lot of success for our team and he's a great leader man the guys love him he's really stepped up as a leader and i i, I certainly think that he has the intangibles and the tools to continue to take his game to another level
1: No, I love it. And, you know, again, with that in mind, we can sort of turn our eyes towards 2022 because, you know, minus Alejandro, you bring back pretty much the entire squad. And that includes, you know, again, uh, Carlos Hass, who had so much success last year at the bottom of the lineup. Philip Malbastic, I think, is either number one or number two in career wins in program history since 2000. And, you know, uh, all of these different guys, whether it's Herman, who started to play so well at the end of last season, has had a really good fall as well. What's been the focus for your guys this season, particularly given, you know, outside of Colton, who we can talk about in a second, it's a lot of returning faces, a lot of guys who kind of know what to expect at this point. What do you do this fall to prepare them to take that next jump? Yeah, well, one of
0: the things Coach Patton always talked about, and I always thought it was, like, funny, like, what what does this mean? But he would always say, like, you know, you're in the storming, forming, and norming stages. Sure. And it was, like, this fall we were uh, you know storming the whole time and like you know guys are competing with each other and they and and really for me i kind of took a little different approach of well skill is going to help us get further than we did last year you know i think our team got to a certain point last year on on heart and um they, you know they just had this incredible desire to to stay out there and have a great season and and this year the you know the fall has really been on building skill and if, and with that was the message we talked to the team about from the very first day is that if we want to go further, we're going to have to do it on skill and um, we got to build our skill set. So I think a lot of our players actually took a couple steps backwards this fall in, in their level. And we were t- completely fine with that, it, knowing that we're going to take a couple more steps forward once we get it all figured out. And, and I think that's where um, the fall is really beneficial where we can work on some things and add some skill. And, and I I just was, I was watching practice last week and I just, our team is a lot better skill wise than we were last year. Um, whatever that, whatever that will transpire into ne- this next year, we'll, we'll find out. Um, but certainly I think everybody's added skill and, and even the guys who, you know, you could say are near the bottom of our lineup, which nothing's set in stone. They've had incredibly good wins this fall and, and have really stepped up their level. So it's really um, made everybody better. And I think when you start seeing guys have breakthroughs in their games, then you start looking at it, it's like, well, if this guy can have a breakthrough, then so can I. And I start—I've seen that uh, multiple guys have breakthroughs in the last month of our season. They're getting better in certain areas, and, and they're pushing each other. So I think our level's better, our skills better, and um, you know what what that will what that will lead to this year, we'll we'll find out in, in a couple months.
1: Absolutely, two more on the team, and then I got some big questions for you. Two standout performers of the of the fall. Herman goes 7-3, and three, Colton goes 7-3. and three. Obviously, if you want to throw Kalamazoo, semifinal run in for Colton as well. It's been quite, <clears throat> excuse me, the fall for him here. What's clicked for those two guys? Obviously, for Herman to have to deal with all the injuries last year. Is this what we should have expected from him? Had he been healthy? Because, you know, obviously when he stole that second set from my Wolverines, I took notice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Herman it was one of the reasons why I recruited him. He loves the big moment. And I remember watching him in Europe when I was recruiting him and he was playing a tiebreaker and, uh, you know, on all the big points he went for it. And I was like, man, like that is so cool that as a young 17 year old, that it, whenever the big moment came his level, you know, he rose to the occasion. And, and so then this fall, you know, he's had some good wins, you know, uh, uh, over the Hawaii, Andre Logan, who's playing great. He'll probably be top 10 in the country. And, uh, he had a nice win over in Oklahoma, sooner that that won the regionals and and took out drew baird from ucla and so i i certainly think he is um a a nightmare to play he's six foot six he has a big serve and massive forehand and he moves really well for a big guy and he loves he loves the big moment he loves the the challenge and and so i i I certainly feel like he could be a, a guy that could play very high for us this year and and do really well um I just know being on the opposite side of him that none of our guys like playing him. He's, he's a nightmare to play. He's got a big time game and he, and he can kind of, uh, he can do some things on the court that, that you don't normally see. So I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a great a breakout year for us. And then Colton, I mean, I think he was one of the hottest players coming into the to the fall. I mean, he took third place in singles and doubles at Kalamazoo. And then he ended up going to the U S open and made the round of 16 in the junior U S open. And you know, it's not it's not a, every day that you have a freshman come in, you know, with that street cred and, and he's already you know, commanding respect from everybody on the team. And then his level is really, you know, brought another um, dimension to everybody on our team that he that he's right in that mix and he can he can beat anybody on any given day. And I think um, not only that, I think he's helps our doubles quite a bit. Uh, he's got he's aggressive. He's got a good serve, good return he wants to hit the ball he's not scared of the ball he's going to go after it and uh and he's a, just an he physically i mean i've i've never seen an 18 year old as physically strong and and as good of an athlete as he is and so he's going to be an incredible player and at whatever level and and but even better he's just he's like the greatest kid he and and we're really lucky to have him
1: Mm-hmm. You, you know, you talk about the contribution he may make in doubles, and uh, you know I, he'll be fine in singles, obviously as well. But you guys were going to be fine in singles no matter what. I'm looking through the fall stats. 13 doubles teams. That's a lot for the fall, and obviously fall is the time for experimentation. But I'm curious for you because I, I mentioned this earlier. You guys are a team. If you get the doubles point, I just how are you going to find four singles matches with the depth, with the strength up top? That's a really tough ask for any team, and I'm sure you are aware of that fact as you guys try to figure out your doubles pairings moving forward. What's been more important for you this offseason, or I suppose, what are you guys emphasizing? Finding teams that work, just getting everyone in the Arizona system. How you know em- how much emphasis has been put on the doubles point this fall?
0: Yeah. I'm not much of a doubles coach. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I I think, I think it's one point and it's, it, it's not the biggest thing in the world and, and it's something that if you bring good energy for 20, 25 minutes and you want to hit the ball and you're aggressive, you know, good things will happen for you, but you know, it's an exciting point. It's a fun thing, you know, to practice from time to time. But, but the reality is there's six other points in singles and that's just been our mentality. Um, you know, from day one, but, but certainly there's some, the, the level's higher for mm-hmm. sure in doubles this year. Um, but I, but I, you know, in the fall, it's like, we told the guys, you know, it's like one of my, you know, favorite movies, the guardian with uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. It's like, you guys are all trained the same way. And it doesn't matter who you play with or, or, you know, where, where you, what environment you put in, you, you guys all know what your role is. And, and you've got to go out and do your role and whoever you play with, you're going to set them up and make them look good. And you're going to, you're going to make that team great. And I think in the past, we've just had a lot of like singles players playing, playing individual doubles and and they're kind of only thinking about what they're doing. And so trying to just get our team to, to play, you know, doubles the way it's supposed to set your partner up, make them look good, help them out. And, and that's been a little bit of our focus this fall, but certainly I think our level's better in doubles. I think we'll have some good combinations moving forward. And, and um, you know, that's also something you can have to play around with in the season too, because there's certainly guys that have the ability to play anywhere and and do what they need to do. And, and um, I, I think we're going to be a force to be reckoned with in in the doubles for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look right off the bat, things aren't easy for you guys go down to college station for the kickoff weekend. It's you guys, A&M, Texas tech, UCLA, I don't have the rest of the schedule. I don't think it's been publicly released yet, so I'm curious. What's it looking like for the Wildcats this season? How excited are you to, again, just be able to get back on the road, play a full schedule once again?
0: Yeah, January is going to be really uh, a a good uh, test for us to see where we're at. We actually have Texas at home Mm -hmm. um, the first week, and then we'll go on the road and play Pepperdine that same weekend, and then we'll head off to College Station. So we'll we'll have a good idea of where we're at, and I think – much like last year where we played the kickoff in Florida of getting an idea of where we're at, I think is really, really beneficial. But, you know, just like when we were at the NCAA tournament last year and talking to some of the coaches, I mean, it's just to make the NCAA tournament is a heck of a, an effort. You know, it's a Mm -hmm. tough thing. There's a lot of good teams out there and and to make the sweet 16 is like, it's not an easy thing to do, no matter how good you are. And so we're just going to take one day at a time. And, you know, if we, if we have a great year, Awesome. But but I, I really feel like we're we have a good schedule this year. We've got a lot of good teams on our schedule. We're going to be challenged early. Our team is going to learn a lot about themselves in that first month. And, you know, whether we win matches or lose matches, I think it's going to help us as we start making our charge towards uh, finishing strong at the end of the year. And, and now our goals are hopefully to peak in, in May, like a lot of the teams that want to, you know, compete for a national championship. And, and, and certainly that's that's our long term goal.
1: No, I love it. Well, then with that in mind, speaking of that long-term goal, uh, something I'm doing here in my series as we try to interview all of these coaches for so many fans and players and whomever it may be, this is the first time for a lot of them hearing all of your voices. And so I want to give you all the chance. Give me the pitch. Why should I come down to Arizona? Why should I be a wildcat moving forward?
0: I think the thing that's unique about our program is the the players on the team. And it's something we took from coach Patton, what my experience at Boise state of the brotherhood and, and anybody can be on a team. I mean, you can recruit anybody to be on your team, but to to really buy into what is the brotherhood? What is it to really play for something bigger than yourself to, you know, when we, when we, when we throw around words, like, you know, what is it to be a brother? Well, you can look at our team and you can see the way they play and, and how much they care about each other. And you see that love between them. I think that's incredibly special and unique. And, something that i never want to go away from and, and if our level dips or, or or gets better then so be it but i i think we got to stay true to who we are and and what we are here at arizona is we're we're a team we're a family we're a brotherhood and we're going to go out and we're going to compete as one unit and you know when you put that that team on a court it's a really hard thing to beat when you got all all 11 guys and coaches you know rowing in the same direction and they all all competing for the same thing. And and I think that makes our team really scary. We don't have individuals on the team. It's it's team over self here. And I I certainly think our guys have embraced that and, and, and uh, live that every day. Mm
1: -hmm. No, I love to hear it. And so with all of that in mind, let's have some fun with you before I let you go. Uh, Just some rule change things, some things I'm throwing around there, hidden duels. We've seen a lot of them now emerge here in the fall. You think we're going to see more of them moving forward? Is that going to be the trend?
0: I think so. I think because we, you, you know, playing a fall tournament, it's really hard. It's taxing on the body. You play like five matches in three days and you know, you're always like, I hope our guys don't get injured, you know, playing seven hours on the court. I mean, we were at a tournament in California and I think our team put in like eight or nine hours that first day. And we had multiple three setters, two singles matches, a doubles match, and you just start, you know, feeling for the guys and their health. And so I think that the the hidden dual format is great because you're going to play one doubles, one singles, It's going to kind of mirror what a college dual match could look like. The energy playing with your teammates, feeling the different energies that are and momentums that are flowing. And I certainly think it's a positive thing, Um, but the same sense, I mean, there's a beauty to playing a tournament and coming out as a tournament champion and who's the physically, you know, physically fittest and, and who can string together multiple days in a row to, to be the, be the tournament champion. So I think both models are really good, but certainly from a student athlete um, health and safety perspective, thing I think hidden duels are are, are the wave of the future for sure
1: yeah my whole thing is if we're going to do an individual season let's move the NCAA individuals to the fall and then we have an individual portion we have a team portion if not if the fall is just to prepare for the spring I can totally understand why teams would think a hidden duel match is better preparation where are you with the NCAA tournament individuals you would you move it would you keep it
0: I just can go back to my own experience and how how important it was for me as the course of the year. I was always kind of chasing that goal to make the NCAA tournament. That's and, true. and for me, I mean, you're, you obviously are focusing on what the team's doing, but I think there's also some really cool things as an individual that you, you're trying to achieve and attain. And, and the course over the course of the year, it's like every match matters, you know, to help represent your team as an individual NCAA participant. And, and especially for some of these, you know, smaller mid-major programs, which is you know where I've been as a coach and as a player for most of my playing career, that was like a, a really cool thing for our players to to play for. And and I don't know what that would necessarily look like. I mean, does Gustav not have an opportunity to go to the you know the mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament as an individual if it's the fall because he came in in January? Or you know, where do the where do the newcomers get put in all that? So I think there's a lot of questions to it. But I certainly feel like. And from the feedback I've gotten from coaches and players, is they they like having that opportunity to chase after that that goal um, at the end of the year. And and, and certainly it's a, a logistical challenge for tournament directors and and how long it goes on. But I just know from my experience and the experience here that the players love chasing after it, and it really um, kind of gives them the feedback that they had a great year and that they get to represent the their program, their teammates at, at the, the biggest you know individual tournament of the year.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I like it. I, with all of that said, you talk about every match mattering. Five hundred rule—they waived it last season. For those that don't know, you have to be five hundred to qualify for the NCAA tournament, or five hundred or better. Would you keep that rule gone permanently?
0: No, I think it's good. I, I, I think, I think it's something where you need to, you know, you need to have a winning record, sure. you know, to be. You need. I mean, it, it's. It, I, I think when we look at this there's a lot of teams out there that are deserving to be in the NCAA tournament and they don't necessarily get in um, because maybe their strength of schedule is tougher or, you know, you don't get the home matches and have that advantage. And so I think it kind of keeps some teams honest that they, you know, they, they have to have a winning record and that their players understand, you know, that, Hey, we might be ranked good enough to get in the tournament, but we certainly it's something that y- you kind of have to achieve to make that the, 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 big show. And so I'm in, mean, I'm for it. And maybe that's just the mid major, Coach talking to me a little bit, but I, I certainly know from being on both sides of the aisle, it, it, it was it was something where you know being at a mid major school, we we really believe that those teams should be above 500 to, to make the NCAA tournament, and and for us, our schedule is really tough this year. I mean, that could be something we run up against, you know, if we have some injuries or we we don't perform to what I think we're capable of. Um, but certainly, we're going to you know play as many matches as we can, and hopefully, we can be on that side of it. And and teams should also look at that as that. Um guys, that to, to make the final tournament, to, to make the NCAA tournament, you have to have a 500 record. And uh, players need to understand that and that every match is going to matter going
1: forward. No, I love that. That is why I wanted to ask as well, given your background, you know, non-Power 5 centric. Uh, you, you talk about, again, all of the hours, all of the demands. Is the eight-hour rule enough, the 25 competitive dates, all of those various things? Or should those numbers be increased to just reflect the modern demands of the sport?
0: Yes. It just depends. (laughs) I mean, we're, we're at a, we're at a place and the kids that we've recruited, they're really goal oriented and they want to always play more and do more. And if they had the opportunity to play more, they would. And if they had the opportunity to play more tournaments or more dates, they would love that. Um, But I also understand from an administrative side, you know, why why they do, you know, the 25 dates and, and health and safety, but certainly just if I had to pull our, our kids, they would love to play more. I would love to play more um and certainly we would love to have the opportunity to do that but it's it's really i think there's some elite elite exceptions for players who are on the federation team or national team and i just wish that was the access to that was a little bit maybe easier so these players who want to train more and have high goals that they have the opportunity to work with their coaches rather than it's kind of like a (laughs) interesting thing when a player asks you okay can we can we work extra and you have to tell them no, (laughs) like, like, (laughs) like, that is, that's like, if anybody wants to play more, that's, you know, as a coach, you always want to help kids who want to do extra and do more. And, and that's, I think one of the downfalls of, uh, of having that in place, but there's also reasons why it is in place. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly for our program where we're at our, our players, you know, they're always wanting to do more and, and, and get opportunities to play more.
1: If any player wants to be coached, they should be allowed to be coached. I agree with you. I think that's the the biggest downside at the same time. You're absolutely right. You can understand how that rule would easily get abused. All right, let's get funky here down the home stretch. Coin toss, I think it's a wasted opportunity. Throw that out. Start of every dual match. Head coach versus head coach. One point drop and hit. Winner decides the serving arrangements. Are you in on that? Uh,
0: absolutely. I, I think uh, we all would be uh, have a higher quality of life because we know we'd have to be hitting the gym and practicing a little bit. So uh, I'm for it, but I'm also still relatively young and I think I, I can play a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm up for any wacky things that are out there to to spice up the game and, and to get more people out. Man, I mean, that's I mean, when we look at this, it's our it's our role as coaches, not just to help develop our players and to win on the court, but to to build tennis in your community. To, to get people excited about your sport, to get fans out to watch. I think that's one of the very, really cool things about Arizona is that, you know, we have a really nice fan base here. They enjoy watching our team play. And it's fun for them to come out for those two and a half hours and to see how exciting college tennis could be. And I think anything that we can be doing to, to, to promote our product better, it's like we all should be, in, you know, in favor of it.
1: Yeah, no. So with that said, first of all, I agree. I also think you could sell out two games worth of Ty Tucker versus Chris Woodruff. Just like who doesn't want to watch that matchup? I I don't know anyone who wouldn't. Um, But, you know, you talk about that excitement. The 30, 35 minutes, 40 of doubles to me is the most exciting 40 minutes in all of tennis, regardless of level, regardless of scene. Because it's Russian roulette. It's three matches, so it's easy to follow. And again, every point matters that much more. That said, that five-minute lull and really the first 35 minutes because the first 30 minutes of singles don't always exactly matter. I think that's when you lose fans. And so I'm curious, you talk about, again, trying to drive that engagement. Is there anything to changing the format once again, a simultaneous start, maybe two doubles like courts, three singles courts, and then when the doubles finish, those players can go substitute into singles if need be? Just something. Is there something to that?
0: I think, we. yeah, we should always be exploring – new formats that make the game interesting. I always thought kind of like, you know, five, five and one, where you have one sure. doubles match, that's worth two points and they play a full two out of three set match. And then you have five singles going simultaneously. And, and then, you know, for the doubles, you know, you can't have the same individuals playing doubles and back-to-back matches. Then it kind of puts a little bit of strategy. And, and, and so doubles still keeps its importance, but, the, but it also, you know, the, 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 it better for TV, you kind of fit those time constraints. Mm-hmm. And then at the same sense, there's a little bit of strategy. If you're trying to win an NCAA tournament, then you're starting to think about, well, hey, we'll play these two doubles players on this match. And then, you know, how you strategize a little bit for us coaches? I think the majority of the work that we do is in the practices. And then when we get into the matches, it's like, all right, well, we're just kind of managing emotions and and letting the kids play a little bit. But certainly I would love an element of where we could strategize a little more as coaches for sure.
1: So I'm going to steal that, just so you know, that 5-1, if I have your permission. I'm going to start throwing that at coaches. I like that way better. I, that, I'm that i in on that idea. I like substitutions, and I think that you know, just the idea, again, of keeping things funky. I also, would you be in favor of just giving coaches a timeout if, like, 40 minutes into singles, Coach Shields could call his one timeout, bring the whole team in for, like, three minutes and just be like, guys, that was not the start we wanted in singles. Is there something to that?
0: yeah I think I, I think I, I'm in favor of all of that stuff. I mean we've even yeah. experiments we call it like bench tennis like sure you know a player messes up and then you bench him for a few minutes and let him think about it and, yeah. and then you yeah. put him back in and um, kind of like they do in basketball or yeah. football yeah. And, and but it, there's there's so many things you can play with um, for that. but I do think our product is really good. I, mm. I, I think I, I think our product is good. I, I think we can do things better to promote it and, and to get more fan engagement. But I certainly feel like if your stands are full and there's a good energy and a good vibe to it, um, people want to show up. And, and I remember a couple of years ago, and Matt Hill can attest this at ASU. And we had, when we played them, they had over 1,100 people watching our match. And then we, you know, we had close to eight, 900 people. And we had the, the, you know, the marching band was out. We had the, you know, our mascots and they was just, you know, there was tailgating going on. And, and I just felt like, that was a cool event to go to. And it didn't matter what was being played. It was just a fun event. And I think we all have to kind of focus on creating a really cool and fun event. And then, you know, the product I think is really good.
1: Yeah. No, my last one would just be lawless lineups. Away team submits in advance, home team gets the matchup however they'd like. And it's just like, let's make home field advantage a thing, because twelve screaming college tennis fans mean more than a hundred thousand in a football stadium. And if you know your team's gonna win. I just think it makes it that much more fun. So lawless lineups would be my idea. <laughs> I think that'd be good. But yeah. uh, as I said, the
0: parody in all these guys' lineups, I mean, yeah. they're all
1: good players. Anybody can be anybody.
0: I don't think the lineup really matters that much. Um, certainly some matchups, but these every team is really good. You know, for, in the, If you're in the top 50 in the country, anybody can be anybody. And I'm sure guys that are number six in the lineup can beat number one in the lineup.
1: And so it is... It lineups to me just don't matter that much. No, I agree. Uh, With all that said, final question for you. It's a little sappy. I apologize. But when fans watch your team compete here in 2022, what do you want their takeaway to be?
0: Well, I hope their takeaway would be the same thing you saw at the NCAA tournament, that the team leaves everything on the court, that they play for each other. They're energetic. There's passion in, in the way that they play. And that and our and our players off the court play emotionally and that they they kind of set the tone for the fans. They set the tone for the energy of our team. And and I I, I sincerely hope we can keep that going, because I think that's been the biggest piece to our success. Mm
1: -hmm. No, absolutely. And again, that energy is very palpable for all of us who watch from afar. So Coach Shields, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you. Hope you and the guys are safe, healthy and experience all sorts of success in 2022.
0: Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. Take care, Coach. All right, bear down.
1: Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Arizona men's tennis head, Coach Clancy Shields. A thank you to him, as always, for taking the time to chat. Love the energy Coach Shields brings to college tennis. That's what it's all about, folks. And again, wishing he and his team success throughout the course of the 2022 season. Again, this is just one, though, of the many preview podcast we have to help prepare all of you for the 2022 college tennis season it's college contenders time we're breaking down our top 10 men's and women's teams entering the year you can read about all of them on our website CrackRackets.com. rackets.com here myself chris hallioris matt stokowiak john parsons talk about each of these teams over on the great shot podcast feed and of course i'm going to try and interview every head coach of our top 10 teams and by the way every power five men's and women's tennis head coach before the start of the season all of that content Going to be available on the website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Great Shot Podcast, Mini Break Podcast, so you don't miss out on any of the action. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great GreatShot Pod. A shout-out as always. To our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the event an a job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for Arizona head coach Clancy Shields, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Crack Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.